0: So like to mention, we've been in our emotional, healthy relationships series, and uh, it reminded me of something just so simple today, as I was preparing today's sermon. There are simple, everyday things that I do that are important, but they seem so insignificant. Sometimes we don't think about the things that we do, but because they're so ordinary, but when they are done incorrectly, sometimes it can impact us negatively. Take, for example, tying your shoe. Did you know that if you tie your shoe and if the bow runs the long way, runs from the heel to the toe, that your shoelaces are two times more likely to, to be undone? But if the bow runs from side to side, that's the stronger knot. And so if you wanna show, you know, if you wanna learn how to tie your shoes later, let me know, I'll, I'll show you how to tie, tie your shoes. But one way to figure it out is if you just take your, your bow and you just tighten it, and whatever the knots where, however they rest, you know if you've got a strong knot or a weak knot. And similarly, like this insignificant thing of tying your shoe doesn't seem like it's a big deal. But again, when my shoes are not tied and I trip over my laces, that's no fun. The same thing is true about our relationships. Can you think of something so simple or ordinary, maybe even insignificant, that we do every day in our relationship that makes a huge impact on it? What are some things that you can think of that have huge impact but might seem very ordinary, maybe insignificant? Well, today we're going to dive into possibly one thing that Could even make relationships perfect, where we can experience perfect relationships with one another. And so I'm glad that you're here with us this morning to find out what this is. We're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and verse 14. And this is what it says. The verse is going to be put on screen, so feel free to read along with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, but before we discover this ordinary thing that we can do to positively impact our relationships, maybe even make our relationships perfect, we need to understand this passage. These verses are some of the most, the most important verses and words written to understand Jesus' humanity. You see, a major part of the Christian faith is that Jesus is God. And at one point, he came down to earth, and he also became fully human. He was fully human, and he was fully God. He wasn't one or the other. He wasn't more God less human or more human, less God, but he was equally human and God at one point. And if we were to go down that road, that would be another sermon. But understand that there was one point in history where Jesus was both human and God. So John uses his concept of the Word to describe Jesus. And in biblical times, the Word was a concept of a force or a reason or a principle that oversaw everything in the world. This word was seen as maybe even a higher being that created all things. And some perceived it to be the God that we believe in. But again, it was a general idea that there was this force that created the world. There was this force, this principle, this reason that governed the world, that created, set into motion, and that's how our world works. John uses this concept of the Word to clarify with a broader group of people who had different religions, different worldviews, different beliefs, that this reason, this principle, this higher being that they believed in was actually Jesus. And John describes this Word, the concept of the Word, as existing at the beginning of creation, existing with God, suggesting that the Word wasn't just a force, but it was with God, it was personal. He gets even further and dives a little deeper and not only says that this, this, this word, this concept of the word was with God, but this, this, this force is God, that this force is a person, not just some mysterious, powerful energy that is way in the distant galaxy or heavens that, that we are aware of, but we have no touch with. This person is responsible for creating all the heavens and earth. And not only did this God, this person, this Word created all the heavens and earth, but this God became human and lived with humans. God came down and lived with humans if we could sum this all up, there's a fancy word in theology called incarnation that describes this. Now, why in the world does incarnation, why in the world does Jesus, would Jesus want to to be, become human? You see, in part, it was a throwback, it was a reflection to what God had done in the Old Testament It was a throwback way back to Moses when he freed his people from Egypt. Egypt, And they wandered the deserts for 40 years. And while they wandered, God provided them with instructions to build a tabernacle, which was this really, essentially this really large tent so that God could live with his people. And the purpose of the tabernacle was to provide a place for God's people to be in relationship with him and to worship him correctly. And so at one point, God came down from heaven and lived with his people just like how Jesus came down and lived with with people god's tabernacle allowed him to be present with his people god was accessible god was near god was personal unlike all the other gods and idols that the neighboring people worshiped they were distant they were foreign they you know, Other people believed in gods and idols, but there was no connection. They were all distant. And again, there's just this far off God that we believe in a higher being, but we have no way to connect. And sometimes when we pray, sometimes we sacrifice, this God may or may not answer us. But here we have God of the Bible, who again was literally camping out right next to his people. And we get Jesus, who literally lived as a human with people it was a reflection of what god had done it was a reflection of jesus it was a reflection from the old testament of what jesus was doing and jesus became human and spent his time on earth as a human to then correctly build up the relationship between god and humans He came down to redeem the relationship that was broken between humans and God and humans and uh, between humans and other humans. You see Jesus spent time with a lot of different people whether it was with the rich, the rulers whether he was with the religious or just the regular Joes. He even spent time with the rebels. And then he uh, he definitely spent time with the ragged and the rat marginalized. And they all had one thing in common. Their lives were filled with unhealthy relationship. Some experienced unhealthy relationships with their community. They were outcasts because of their diseases. They were outcasts because they were blind and and. Because they were blind, they weren't normal. So then the community thought that they had sinned or their parents had sinned. They had done something wrong. They hadn't followed God's commandments. And so there was wrong relationship there. Some of them had wrong relationship in a sense with themselves. They were starving. They were poor. They were ridden with diseases that did not make them well so that they could be well with others. Others had unhealthy relationships because they thought they were better than others, and so they looked down on others who were sick, who were poor, and they thought they were the elite, and so they had unhealthy relationships with them. You see, a big part of Jesus' ministry was to restore relationships. And when when Jesus came down to earth, He did this by showing His glory. As Jesus dwelt among humanity, the people saw Jesus' glory when they saw His power and when they saw His miracles. There are over 30 miracles recorded in the first four books of the New Testament. And Jesus performed almost all those miracles In a way that included him listening to the recipient of the miracle. Jesus Jesus would either ask them what they wanted, or the recipient would ask Jesus what they wanted, and Jesus would listen. Here's an example from Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 to 3. And behold, a leper, a leper was someone who had a skin disease. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, knelt before Jesus, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. Notice the leper spoke to Jesus about his condition, and Jesus listened. And after listening, Jesus acted on on listening what the leper needed. When Jesus dwelled with humanity, when Jesus lis- lived with humanity, he listened to those he cared for and answered their requests accordingly. He listened to their needs and brought perfection to their hurts and pains that impacted their relationship with others. Jesus being human allowed humanity to experience what it meant to be in right relationship with their individual self and with others. Miller J. Erickson, theologian, helps understand this about Jesus' humanity a bit more. This is what he says. Our understanding of human nature has been formed by an inductive investigation of both ourselves and other humans as we find them about us. But none of us is humanity as God intended it to be or as it came from his hand. Humanity was spoiled and corrupted by the sin of Adam and Eve. When we say that in the incarnation Jesus took on humanity, we are not talking about this kind of humanity. For the humanity of Jesus was not the humanity of sinful human beings, but the humanity possessed by Adam and Eve from their creation, and before the fall. The question is not whether Jesus was fully human, but whether we are. He was not merely as human as we are, but was more human than we are. He was spiritually the type of humanity that we will possess when we are glorified. Jesus most fully reveals the true nature of humanity on reading this, it blew my mind because in preparing this sermon I was just caught up in this idea of why would Jesus want to become human? Why would Jesus want to be like me? The truth is in our sin and in our brokenness we still bear God's image in how He created us. But we are broken and we experience humanity under sin. And so we don't experience it fully to how God originally created it. And so when Jesus came down as a human, he came down as the perfect human when he created Adam and Eve to be an example for us, to show us that this is what humanity should be. Jesus showed us what it meant to truly be human. He shows us that true humanity can relate well to each other. He shows us that we can relate to ourselves better. He restores relationships that are broken because certain people were seen as less than or people thought that they were more than. Jesus restores the relationships. They even were impacted by death, by bringing loved ones from the dead. You see, if it's one thing that we can learn about Jesus' incarnation, Jesus being humanity, it's this. Jesus' humanity perfects our humanity. Jesus' humanity perfects you and I, our humanity. So how do we experience how Jesus' humanity perfects our humanity in everyday life? One of the most fundamental things that we need as humans is connection. And one of the most ordinary ways to connect with each other is how we speak to one another, and more importantly, how we listen to each other. And earlier I mentioned how Before Jesus performed miracles, he would almost always ask the recipient what they wanted. And he would listen to them. And he would give them what they wanted. This week, as in our Emotional Healthy Relationship um, series, we're going to look at a skill that offers us an opportunity to re-examine how we speak and how we listen to each other. More importantly, how we listen to each other. Again, listening is one of those Ordinary things that we do, but they can be so significant if we practice it well. It's a way of us experiencing healthy relationships. And so today, we're going to take into consideration Jesus' humanity and pair that up with listening. And like Tim mentioned, we're going to learn how to listen incarnationally see, the purpose is to listen at a heart level. It's to be empathetic, attuned to the words and the nonverbals of communication of the other person. We listen so that the other person feels felt by you. Being attuned to the words and nonverbal communication means we're listening to not just words, but again, the nonverbals. And so pay attention to the facial expressions, to the tone. Are there tears coming? What posture are the eyebrows in? Are they raised? Are they in a frown? What is the body posture? How intense are they communicating? The priority is an emotional connection, not so much information. Now, in listening, we don't have to agree with who we're listening to. We don't have to get defensive or take things personally. But it's simply a matter of connecting. So here are some steps to listening incarnationally. If you have your bulletin, it's going to be on the back of your bulletin, and it's also gonna be put on screen. And so as a listener, and listening incarnationally, here's some steps. Here's some, here some steps to listening incarnationally. Give the speaker your full attention. Give the speaker your full attention. So drop the phone, make eye contact, don't get distracted, don't look away. Give your full attention. Step into the speaker's shoes and feel what they're feeling. Empathy is this idea that if someone falls in the hole, you're not just looking from the hole like, hey, I'm sorry you're in the hole, that, that must stink. But it's a matter of falling in that hole with them and saying, oh man, this really stinks. You fell in the hole, I fell in the hole, I know what it feels like. And so step into the speaker's shoes and feel what they're feeling. Three, avoid judging or interpreting avoid judging or interpreting oftentimes we hear what's being said but we interpret and we judge avoid judging or interpreting reflect back as accurately as you uh, and reflect back as accurately as you can what you heard them say and so again instead of interpreting or judging say to them what you heard them say When you think the speaker is done, ask, is there more? And so when there's a pause or a break, or you think the speaker has completed what they're saying or is finished with their phrase, ask them, is there more? And then lastly, when the speaker is done, ask, of everything you have shared, what is the most important thing you want me to remember? So those are our steps to listening. I know there's a lot. But again, it's on your bulletin and it's on the screen here. Now here are some guidelines to how to help us speak well. Number one, speak in the eye. Use I statements. Two, keep your statements brief. It can be hard to track if you're speaking for minutes upon minutes. And so try to speak brief in couple in sentence or a couple sentences, so that your listener can also track with you. And sentences are good places to break, so that the, the listener can then reflect what they heard. If needed, when you, when uh, with with the speaker step three, stop to listen. Stop to let the listener paraphrase. And so again, remember to break so that your listener can reflect back to you. And four. Include feelings. Use the phrase, I feel, and describe what you're feeling. Now, it's really important to distinguish this because we can can get mixed up between an opinion or a feeling. And so oftentimes we might say, I feel that, fill in the blank. And when we say, I feel that, that actually becomes a thought or opinion. And so a key principle to remember is that when we are describing an emotion, we need to say, I feel, and include an emotion. I feel sad. I feel happy. I feel angry. I feel uncertain. I feel, again, needs to be followed by a feeling. And if we don't get the feelings, we can't get beneath the iceberg, this idea of getting deeper when we don't share our feelings. And so here's an example. I feel that the supermarket's prices are too high. That's an opinion. And so we can start talking about the different supermarkets that we can go to. It doesn't get too deep. But if I say, I feel upset the supermarket's prices are too high, now that could get us a little deeper. Why do you feel about the supermarket? Oh, you know, they're cheating me. I'm in a tough financial place. Or I'm trying to budget. Notice how, again, that simple word that can dramatically change the sense of feeling or going deeper to the iceberg. And so, again, I feel must be accompanied with emotion. If you find yourself saying, I feel that, finish the rest of the sentence, it's going to be an opinion or a thought. And then lastly, speak respectfully, honestly, clearly, and timely. Often speaking can go so wrong because we speak poorly. So when we speak, we must understand that it has to be respectful, honest, clear, and timely. When you speak respectfully, it means we give thoughts to our words. We're not just saying whatever. When we speak honestly, you're speaking your feelings and your thoughts. You have a right to your feelings and thoughts. We speak clearly means we're not hinting, we're not beating around the bush. Again, we clearly are communicating what it is that we want. And lastly, we speak timely. We are aware when it's a good time to talk, or when it's a good time, or if there's a better time to talk. Speaking to somebody maybe when they woke up, when they just wake woke up, especially on daylight savings day uh, today. We, after we've lost an hour of sleep, right in the morning you, and you drop something really important, maybe not the best time to talk about something important. But maybe find, find a prime time where they're, they're awake. And so practice speaking timely and be aware if there's a better time. And so in the next six minutes here, I'm going to give you an opportunity to practice listening and speaking. I want you to pair up with somebody and I want you to practice this exercise using this question. What is the biggest thing impacting you right now and how are you feeling about it? Now one thing I want, to, uh, want you to be aware of is that don't make your sharing about the person you're with because it, could be, you know, it might be offensive or it might be, um, it might be something unpleasant. And so think of something general that doesn't do, you know, deal with the person that you're talking to, especially if you know them or even if you don't know them, but what is the biggest thing impacting you right now, and how are you feeling about it? So I'm going to give you six minutes. Three minutes, one person's going to be a listener, three, and the other person's going to be a listener, and I'll give you a heads up when those three minutes are up, and then you're going to switch. And so again, the guidelines are in the back of your bulletin, and I know there's a lot of them, but maybe try practicing one or two of them. And so take a second to review, and then I'll, uh, and then find, a, uh, find someone to partner up with, find, a, find someone to partner up with, choose who's going to be a listener, choose who's going to be a speaker, I'll let you know when time starts, and then I'll let you know after three minutes to flip-flop. All right, so go ahead and review, find a partner, and I'll let you know when we're going to kick off. All right, 10 seconds, let's wrap up and we'll we'll, uh, reconvene together. All right, I love hearing the discussions and I love seeing how attentive the listening was. And so let's bring it back and then we're gonna wrap it up and then I'm gonna give you another opportunity to discuss this process too. And so, let's bring it back. And then online congregation, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot about it. This would have been a great time to join Zoom. But listening incarnationally is a way that we can, of how we can practice being Jesus to others. When we listen incarnationally, it's a way of how we can practice being like Jesus to others. And when we listen incarnationally, it's like Jesus, when Jesus left heaven, left his world, gave up his needs, so that he can hear us out. When we listen incarnationally, it's like us leaving our world and giving up our needs so that someone else can be heard, someone else's needs can be met. And so that's how we can be like Jesus, Practically, just through listening incarnationally on an everyday basis. And Jesus did all these things to show us of how we could be in right relationship with God and more importantly, with others. So practice listening incarnationally and experience true humanity as Jesus intended all of us to. Now in the next 10 to 12 minutes here, I want you to go ahead and take some time to also discuss. And so we had some time experiencing what listening and speaking, listening incarnation and speaking was like, I want you to take the next 10 to 12 minutes and take some time to discuss these questions. And it could be the same person that you were with or the table that you're with. Take into consideration what the experience was like for you and the speaker. What was the experience like for you as the speaker? And then what was the experience like for you as the listener? Second question, how did you experience listening with your family of origin? A lot of the ways that we listen and the way that we speak comes from how we experienced it in our family, of, our, our, our family we grew up with. So how did you experience listening with your family of origin? And how did you experience speaking with your family of origin? And then name one or two obstacles you will need to overcome to grow into a person who listens well. Name one or two obstacles you, that you will need to overcome to grow into a person who listens well. And so if you're in person, find someone to talk to and discuss these questions. Again, it could be the person you're paired up with or your table. Online congregation, here's a great time to join our Zoom link, to, to join the Zoom link and discuss online with Panpho um, on Zoom. And so have at it for the next 10, 12 minutes here. So. All right, let me wrap up with this. Again, it's a reminder that, again, just in the simple things that we do every day, like listening, can make a huge impact to our relationships, can make them healthy. We saw that with Jesus. And sometimes we might be doubters, like, ah, you know, it's just listening, ah, whatever, you know. But again, Jesus came down, and he showed us what perfect humanity looked like. And he listened to those who had needs, and he listened to those um, and connected with them through listening. So in the same way, you and I, we can do the same. We can look to Jesus' humanity and know that his humanity can perfect our experience of humanity with ourselves and with others. So let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ down to earth for us, Lord. Time and time and time again, I've read John chapter once, over and over and over again, not realizing that Jesus came down to earth to show us what it meant to be human. That Jesus' experience of being human wasn't our experience of human, but Jesus' experience of being human was what it meant to be human. So we can look to Jesus to know what it's like to be in perfect relationship with God and perfect relationship with each other. We thank you for having Jesus, who is a personal God who hears us. That Jesus isn't far off in heaven, and that we're just throwing prayers up, hoping that he'll hear them. But Jesus is a personal God who loves us dearly. That Jesus is the personal God who loves us dearly. And so as we see how Jesus has listened to all of humanity, may we too be like Jesus and listen to others incarnationally. We thank you and we pray and lift this all up in your name, Lord. Amen.